any chick out of that egg. Um, so that's my story. And, and I got it from Penn State University, so I thought that was pretty good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. What else were we supposed to do? There was something else we asked about. Uh, what was it? Walden, do you remember what our chicken question was yesterday? Oh, you wanted to know about uh, if you don't collect the eggs regularly, will it slow down the production? Ah, okay. The it that. was very it was yeah it was very hard to find references to that. However, it looks like it may, in a small way, affect the reproduction of the chicken. Uh, you know, the, not the, the the reproductive speed of a hen. So you might for a while get fewer eggs, but not significantly so if you leave the eggs in the nest for a while. Ah. Well, I discovered so. something. They don't like snow. They don't want to come out. They it's, stand by their little that's, door and they kind of pop their heads out. Good for them. One of them is named Patricia. What else would you expect? <laughs> You are you are still calling her Patricia, right? Absolutely. Oh, good. Okay, we're cool. We're cool. She's, she's beautiful. She's an adorable hen. And so it's the best looking chicken that I have. Oh, I love it! I am a chicken. This is good. This is good. Oh. I like that a lot. So what is, what is, all right, before we even get to the snow, if your wheelbarrow had a flat tire, how did you get the wood to the house? Uh, I, I just carried it. Oh, my. I, I was reinflating the tire all a couple of times, and finally I decided I have to fix it. So uh, I, I dedicated this morning to fixing it. And, uh... In the meantime, it was hand carrying the wood into the house. Oh boy, that's hard work. Oh, well, you know, the, you get a lot of heat out of wood, cutting it down, chopping it up, carrying it in, burning it. You don't need it after you've gone through all of that exercise. You're so hot. <laughs> yeah, I got the okay. I got my friend's log splitter here. It's a hydraulic log splitter. Oh, wow. And it's got like 20 tons of, of force. <gasps> and I, I could split the huge, huge rounds of wood just, just like it was going through paper. Oh, my goodness. It must be like snapping toothpicks. Yeah. Oh, it's really amazing. Uh, having done it by hand years back, this is, this is much better. This, this is superior. I can understand that. Now, with this, you have to stay out of the way because you'll get chips of wood that fly as it's being split. And you keep your fingers out of there. What other safety measures do you have to take? Oh, yeah. Just just don't put your hands anywhere near the rim. It'll, it'll just tear you up if you ever got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're... Uh, you know, like safety glasses, just in case. Good. Okay. Not, nothing else. I, I don't wear gloves because I, I don't like gloves. 
The only time I ever wear gloves is if it's really, really cold. But, but for what? working around and, and doing things, uh, I just can't wear gloves. What do you consider really, really cold? Well, I think once it hits uh, 17 degrees, I, I consider <laughs> that very cold. And I, Not before then? I would say no. Wow. Degrees, you know, thinking back of the winters back east, when it hits 17, I, I, I you know, was driving with one hand, with the other hand underneath my rear end to keep it warm. And every once in a while, I switch hands. You switch hands, yeah. Oh man, that is so cold. You are one rugged dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, every winter we talk with our family, and every winter I feel wimpier and wimpier. Well, you know, to, to live in the, the mountains, you have to be as tough as a boiled owl. Uh, as tough as a what kind of owl? A boiled owl. A boiled owl. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. Boiled, Ooh, yeah. who, whoever boiled an owl? I don't know. It's just an old saying. Oh, somebody, somebody, had to, somebody had to do it to make that expression. Ah, oh, gee, we got dead bambies and oh, and little roosters and oh, this is a, what an awful night this is. Let's talk about snow. Yes. Yeah. How is your snow? Oh, it's it's really uh, starting to disappear pretty quickly now. We actually had sun two days in a row. Ah. And it's had a, a great effect on it. How is your friend 12 miles away who couldn't even open his door? Oh, my God. I haven't talked to him since, like, day before yesterday, I think it was. He was he was on his tractor trying to get his cars out. He, he, lives, he lives over the top of the mountain on the, on the far side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. needs to be where the... The heaviest snow hits. Okay, so he's on the other side of the mountain. Yep. All right, uh, so one of you has the windward side and the other one has the leeward side, and it sounds like you've got the leeward side. You know, mo most of our weather comes from the Eureka, California area. It comes uh -huh. south. And okay. And faces in that direction. That the uh -huh. weather comes okay. in. So it'll hit yep. him first and seems to hit him harder uh, than anybody on the other side of the hill. Yeah, he's on the windward side and you're on the leeward side. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. And you said that you didn't even know that when you bought up there. Uh, no, you know, you, you go around, you look for a house that you really, really like. Uh-huh. You buy it, you just... You just take what comes with it. Sure. I th I'm, those are things I would never think to ask. No, I would go to a... We a little house before we bought this one. Yes. So it was the cutest little place. It was, it was very small. It was probably a thousand square feet. And uh, 
I, I was talking to one of the guys in the neighborhood who worked on the road crew here. And I said, you know, we're looking at a house over on Button Street. So oh, you like snow, huh? No. He says, don't even think about moving over there. That's, that's the worst place in the county. Oh, my. So you had somebody by accident watching out for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he drove the, uh, the snow plow every year. Yeah. He knew where it was. Indeed, he would. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's that's funny. So if you had not had that warning about the snow, is this little house something you might have bought? Yeah, it was, it was ultra cute. Uh, the man who built it was a contractor, and he did everything in the, inside the house, including the cabinets, the cabinet doors. Everything yeah. was done in, in pine, uh, clear pine. Uh, that's pine with no, no knot holes or... Right, right. It sounds very clear, pretty. White pine you look did and, it have a basement? It, have, it didn't have an upstairs, but it had a little loft. If you had okay. a ladder to get there, you could probably sleep a couple of people up there if you had to. Uh-huh. But, but uh, it was, you know, just too small. Yeah, it's, it sounds like, you know, for two people, for one person it would be perfect. But for yeah. two people, it, it would be a little tight. Yeah, because our, our home would... down in San Jose was... Just shy of 3,000 square feet. Oh, my goodness. This must have looked like a closet. Yeah, we had a house full of stuff. Furniture stuff. and God knows what. And even stuff to move into fun. this house. Oh, my. eliminated no. a whole lot of stuff. No. Did it have a basement? A uh, basement? Yes. Oh, you very rarely ever find... There's no basements in California. No kidding! Oh my goodness, I would have thought... I don't know if that's... I don't know of any California houses having basements. That's interesting. I would have thought in Ralph's part of the state that it would have been a standard thing. We don't have basements I, I don't here because... I anyone who has one. Isn't that interesting? We don't have basements here because if you dig a hole, you're in water. I, I think the reason why in California because of the sand... Most of the properties are in, um, you know, earthquake. So it, you'll see a lot of uh, earthquake faults yeah. in properties. Yeah, and the, the soil would make yeah, yeah the soil quality and the type of soil. Yeah. So you you just said sand, and that would certainly make a difference. Yeah. Well, I think it was '89. Uh, we had the big earthquake here. Right. And uh, a good part of San Francisco was built on silt. It was taken up out of the bay. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my. The earthquake hits that, it liquefies it almost. It just, just turns to mush. So everything fell down. Yeah. I didn't know that. Walton, did you know that? It may sense I've forgotten all about it. If that was the case, i just forgotten about that, that there was definitely some silk and things like that. I know, Patricia, that... Um... <clears throat> Some of the um, buildings are built on rollers in California. And yes, so, that I knew. And I think, I think some of the buildings in L.A. and maybe in San Francisco, I'm talking about the 
have at least a 12-foot give. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very forgiving. Yeah, Buildings she, now are very forgiving. So I remember going to dinner one time in San Francisco. <sighs> Had to be the late 80s, early 90s. At the Bank of America building in San Francisco. And the problem with that, you had to take two elevators to get up to the restaurant. And I always thought, this would be an interesting place to be if the, San, the next San Francisco earthquake eat. And you're up there and you're swaying, you know, way up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. It, uh, it happened to my wife. She was working for a, a big bank in San Jose. Mm-hmm. She was up, well, it wasn't that high, but she was on the seventh floor. Holy. Oh, the earthquake hit. She said everything was going. The desks were sliding across the floor. Oh, yeah. Panicking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, the higher you get, I imagine, the more, more you feel it. So, I, I'm not surprised if Rob pointed out that some of that stuff is built up, so I would not, I don't, wouldn't be surprised, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and who would know? When the buildings were being built in the late 1800s, who, who could have planned for something like that? They couldn't know. You haul up silt and it dries almost into concrete. But yeah, it, it really doesn't stay. Yeah, it does. It, it really turns solid. It's it truly is like concrete, but it's not. It doesn't operate like concrete because it's porous enough, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have cement in it. Mm-hmm. So, gee whiz! Oh, what a scary thing! That really it is scary. It me where people have built cities, mm-hmm. as well as individual homes in floodplains or places. Yep. Along the coast that are below sea level. Yep. I I know. I know. Even the coasts that aren't below sea level. Um, I'm in a really high place here. My elevation is 12 feet. Uh, You're up there. I'm really up there. Now, you start getting water pumping in from... You can get surges 30 and 40 feet high. So... <laughs> just and but I'm on the second floor and I'm going to stay here. That gives me another ten feet. <laughs> it does, you know. It's important. My goodness, it's important for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it sounds um, it sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> yeah, anything, and I can get to the roof, and nobody else can. Well, I can get to the rafters. I can't get outside, but I can get to the rafters. So here, uh, we have a huge lake. Uh, upstream of us, and if the dam ever broke, all the people that live along the river and, and down in the lower spots would really get nailed. Yeah. Uh, we, wow. however, we're on a hill, and uh, I have I I don't know, but I think we would be safe. Yeah, dams scare me. Because yeah, you're yeah. intruding on the natural flow, everything backs up, and if that thing gives, you're gone. You're just toast, honey, and you don't get much of a warning for the most part with something like that. If you've got a levee, when the levee starts to breach, you get some warning, but boy, it can, it just all of a sudden is there. I know my, um, my great great grandfather had uh, two fortunes wiped away when uh, the water got higher than the river. You know, they built 
you know, rich farmland was, you know, near the rivers. So the black, mm-hmm. uh, um, he lost two herds of cattle, the one around 1917 and the one in 1930. And the 1930 was over $100,000 worth of cattle going right down the river. So, and boy, and that's what you start multiplying that out in today's dollars. Oh, and you really, yeah, yeah. Wow. Here, well, in the in the Delta area, mm-hmm. the, uh, they have a lot of levees, and the uh, the land there, the lower land is the richest land you can get. Oh yeah, true. When uh, a couple of well, several years back, I kept my trailer up in the in the Delta area. I was sitting home in San Jose, and I heard the, the levees were given away. Mm. So I drove all the way up and got my trailer. <laughs> took, took it the heck out of there. So you got uh, yours out. I made how it. many people? How many people didn't? Oh, uh, there was huge flooding that year. You know, I couldn't give you statistics, but a lot of farmland was wiped away. A lot of, a lot of cattle drowned. It was. Oh, so, where did you park the trailer? Did, did you have a place at, at home to park the trailer, or did you have to go find another place to well, put I, it? I put it in front of the house, uh-huh. and uh, then I rented a storage space uh, at a yard. Yeah. And uh, when the uh, the bad weather passed, I took it back up to the Delta. Mm. That was nice, having the, the trailer and the boat all in the same place, mm-hmm. drive up, go fishing, go skiing. It was wonderful. I enjoyed the Delta so much. So did you have to clean it first? I mean, did you go up and look at the property before you went back and took the trail up just to make sure you didn't have to, uh, you know, repair the land? Oh, well, I called up and uh, they said everything was squared away over there. So uh-huh. I just went back up. We were in a big... Uh, a big trailer park. It was uh, probably 25 or 30 people from where I worked mm-hmm. had trailers up there, plus boats. So we used to go up there and have quite quite a lot of parties. We used to roast the pig and mm. I had the beer keg in the garbage can full of ice. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you were serious about this. Uh, yeah, well, we partied, we partied, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow, I guess you did. Well, Ralph, I think I ought to give you a CD based on your having bailed out Walden on this question. <laughs> well, uh, what would you like? Well, it could send me 20 bucks. If you, <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah, the, the, the CD thing, uh, I told you yesterday, I'm in a quandary. I don't know what I want. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to pick for you then. Yeah, you you pick something out nice. There you go. I I like comedies. I like detectives. Patricia, send him 20 bucks worth of CD, 20 bucks worth of radio shows on a CD, (laughs) then I'll be even. <laughs> you know, I just well, love the you, way you, you know, guys arrange. It happened if you, if you, you dropped it in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And in Lake Superior as well. Uh, yeah. 
So you're telling me, Patricia, that you had that one figured out before you asked me, right? Oh, sure. You are a smart cookie rabbit. You know that? Well, I'm only smart because uh, you think I'm smart because I never give you something that I didn't answer. <coughs> Excuse oh, yeah, me, or I, I really I really thank you too, Patricia, for the email you sent me today saying that you were going to ask that question. <laughs> it was really nice. You know, you, you guys are going to get me in trouble with everybody. I didn't do that, everybody. I really didn't do that. Ralph, you're a radical. I just stirred the pot. You stirred the pot. Gee whiz. You know, get out you of here and give somebody I campaign on honesty and a truthful approach, and you just blew it. Oh, God. Oh, well. <laughs> yes, it's all gone. Oh, you guys. Oh, oh gosh. Thanks, Ralph. Have a good night. You too. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye -bye. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, all right. Good way, That is too much fun. That is too much fun. You want to play um, Dusty Rogers before I give you your final question? Okay. We can play that one, or we can play the History of the Silver Bells. Which one do you want to play? Either one. You choose. Okay, let's go for Dusty Rogers, everybody. This is eight minutes. Patricia asks him one of the very serious questions of the interviews. Here we go. Yes. Now, Dusty is Roy Rogers' son, and we talked with him in the summertime. It was this summer, right? Last summer. It, oh, my God. Are you serious? A whole other year went by? I think so. Oh, dear me. Well, anyway, it was Christmas in July one of these times. One and Dusty was on the phone. No? Yep. Yep, one yeah. of these days. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. One of these years, it was Christmas in July, and Dusty was with us and talked about a Christmas experience. So this is what Walden was going to play. Thank you, Larry, for pulling this out. He, he encapsulated it from the entire interview. He just yanked it out. So this is fun. Here we go. Do you have a Christmas story for us? Oh, boy, I got a lot of different ones. Well, you know, I mean, when you got when you got as many kids, you know, mom and dad had nine kids, you know, four adopted, one foster, and the rest of us, his and yours and Zussens and Orange kind of family. And we ranged in age from six and a half months old up to 19 years old. So it, it, it was quite a run of kids. But uh, uh, you can imagine what a nightmare Christmas was, was around our house. I mean, my dad was the biggest kid in the world. And so anytime he'd buy kid, toys for us kids, he'd be playing with them for two weeks before we ever got them. I mean, he bought, he bought my dad, he bought She brought back. 
beautiful uh, nativity set um, made out of olive wood from the Mount of Olives. And um, she would set it up every year. We had kind of a, uh, we kind of had a, um, uh, an altar kind of a thing. There was a big table and, and mom would put the, the, the nativity set up on top. And then at every Christmas Eve, we would she'd pull all of us kids in. We'd sit down on the floor in front of her, and she would tell the story of what, what Christmas is all about. And she would take each figurine out of the the, the nativity scene, show us whether it was a camel or you know, or, or the, you know, the, the Joseph and Mary, and this is the Christ child. This is the, and these are the shepherds, and these are the kings, and they named all the kings and everything. And and uh, so every every Christmas it was the same thing. Well, this one particular Christmas, you know, it, it, I, I was fast. I was probably six, seven years, well, maybe a little, maybe a little younger. Than I was six years old, and Mom was going through the story. Well, the only thing that you know at that time I'm beginning to grasp what she's saying, and I'm and I'm looking at this nativity set, and I'm thinking to myself, Wow, this kid had a lot of pull. He got every one of his animals at his birthday party. I said, how cool is that? Man, I don't get to have that in my house. I said, that was my birthday. But yet on his, he got to have all these animals. Of course, that's where he was born, in a manger, you know. Uh, why he would have animals there. Uh-huh. Well, I went to bed that night. We went we went to bed early because that's, you know, they, they, mom and dad couldn't take any more of the noise and the racket. So we all went to bed early to see if Santa would come early. And uh, so next morning I got up. The typical time most kids get up uh, Christmas morning, about 4.15. And, uh, of course, nobody else is up, and I, I'm walking through there. I'm trying to find something to eat, and um, I pass by the nativity set again. And here's the Christ all lit up, and he's got these animals around him, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that is something else. A young baby boy like that could have all of his animals. And then I got to thinking, you know, Mom said today's Christmas. This is this is the Christ child's birthday today, and we're celebrating. Now, we don't have one animal in this house to enjoy this day. Yeah, I said, you know, we ought to get some animals up here. So I put on my bunny slippers, and I took off down to the kennel where Dad kept all of his 35 black and tan coon dolls. <laughs> and I decided, you know, I'm going to let a couple of them out, bring them up to the house. They can enjoy Christmas like all the rest of us. So I don't know if you've ever been around hunting dogs or not, but the minute you open a gate for a hunting dog, they think they're going hunting. And you can't just let two out when you're only six years old. You can't hold the gate back. So the minute I opened the gate, all 35 dogs come piling out there, knocked me down, and took off toward the house. Now I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm dead meat here. I've got all of Dad's favorite dogs out of the kennel. They're, they're making a beeline for the house. I'm running after them, trying to catch up to them. And they get up to the house, and they're jumping. They're waiting. They think they're going in the Jeep. So they're jumping up on the front of the door. They're, they're knocking down the mom had the wreath on the front door and and trying to look in to see where dad is so they can go hunting and I'm and, and I'm sitting there panicked because I'm thinking oh man my dad's going to kill me they're all over mom's and they're, they're in the rose bushes and, and you know what dogs do when they get out of the pen so it was a big disaster outside the house of course nobody's up yet well I got to thinking you know maybe uh, if I just open the front door a little bit they'll be able to see what's going on in the house and and we won't have any more problem. They'll quit their barking and things will be fine. Well, my dad, every year we had a long hallway that went from the front door clear to the back part of the house. And right about three quarters of the way down was a rotunda. It was a big round area that had kind of a spike ceiling, a high pointed ceiling. And my dad, every year, would bring in a 20 foot blue spruce Christmas tree. Uh-huh. And he had it beautifully decorated by the guys at the studio. They'd come out and they'd bring all the ornaments. 
had a beautiful terrazzo floor in the hallway, which is kind of a polished concrete. And we had a lot of guests at Christmas, so Mom would put down these kind of Christmassy area rugs that kind of keep you from slipping when you're going from one area to the next. Well, the four or five lead dogs are heading for the tree. They're getting really close. They decide to slam on the brakes, so they slam on the brakes and uh, start to they hit the area rug and started to slide. And then the other dogs piling into the back of them because they didn't see them stop. Well, the next thing you know, they slid right into the base of that 20-foot tree. And the tree, I can still see it today, slowly tipping, and it finally fell over, and glass balls and ornaments breaking and bouncing everywhere. Well, needless, and you know what dogs do when they get into a tree. They were looking for the coon, I guess. Well, they woke my dad up. <laughs> and I guarantee you, you don't want to wake Roy Rogers up. Having come out into the living room where his 35 dogs and his best tree is on the floor with 35 dogs going through it, because he will treat you... <laughs> the real meaning of Christmas. Uh, he, he did, and I wasn't able to sit down for a week. But, but that's just one of many, many, many stories. There's one about Easter rabbits that I'll tell you about some other time. But uh, Easter bunnies, but the, cause we used to raise rabbits too. But that's just one of many, many Christmas stories. I like that one. That, that is good. As an aftermath, the, the um, epilogue, how did you get the dogs out? Dad got him out. He, all he had to do was whistle at him, and then he just, you know, he went out front and whistled, and they all came out because they thought they were going hunting. And got him out, but the damage was done by then, so. <laughs> they could have stayed for the party. No, no. The hunting dog is an outdoor dog. He's not an indoor for dog. For sure. So. For sure. Have they ever been in the house before? Not that this is any. No, they never had. No, Dad said, you don't bring the dogs in because he said, you know, they, they're outside dogs. They live outside. They don't want them ruined by spending time in the house. They'll get lazy, and they'll lose their nose. They won't be able to smell like they're you know, supposed up your overcoat when the wind is free. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Eat an apple every day. Get to bed by three. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Be careful crossing streets. Don't eat meat. Cut out sweets. You'll get a pain and ruin your Keep away from bootleg hoots when you're on a spree. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Say, Dick, have you been reading about all that bad weather back east? I sure have, my There's murder in it. Well, just for pure orneriness, let's sing another chorus California style. <laughs> okay, here we go. Throw away your overcoat when you come to Cal. You out here. Please believe me, pal. Leave your umbrella in the hall, cause it never rains. Throw your rubbers away and your auto chain. And when you cross the street, look up and down, look back and forth, then run, run, run like mad, cause the California drivers are bad. Keep
And there's the Kings, and that was a great story that Dusty Rogers told us. I like that story. Great story. That will stay with us for a while. Oh, almost I two hours. Almost, Say that again? Almost two hours. That's right. Yeah. He was with us a long time. And he finally said, I have to go eat dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> he was really cute. We need, to um, get, we need to get him back on and talk about the eat the buddy. Oh, gosh, that would be so great, yeah. and in particular because he mentioned it himself. Yeah. That, that would be good. I think we would enjoy that. But he was so generous with his time, and we had such a good time with him. So it was a treat and a half. Now, when you played Button Up Your Overcoat, uh-huh. there was a line in that song that I had never heard before. Okay. Obviously, I've heard it, but yeah. I never paid attention to it. Stay away from bootleg hooch. Yep. Must have been written back in the 20s during the speak easy days. I don't know. That's what I think. I think they well, were Well, now I have to go look. Oh. Well, anyway, it's, it's a phrase. Yeah. See? Homework, homework, homework. homework ha, homework. ha, ha. You guys are going to... No Christmas vacation for me. No. Take good care. Is that the name of the song, Take Good Care of Yourself? Oh, let me think. I think it's, um... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, well, let's we'll look at the title of that song again. We'll figure this out. Oh, let's see what let's comes see up here. Take Good Care of Yourself. Mm-hmm. Take Good Care mm-hmm. of Yourself lyrics. Right. So I guess that's the name of the song. get lyrics. Let's see here. If you take it... If you are to take up your overcoat when the wind is free, take good care of yourself, you belong to me. Eat an apple every day, get to bed by three, take good care of yourself, you belong to me. Be careful. Might be you belong to me, might be the actual title. No, I've, I've got Take Good Care of Yourself lyrics. Oh. The name of the song is Take Good Care of Yourself. Um, I love this song, though. That's what the, the, yeah. the bonus, the bonus words they must wrote just for the radio are, you know, be, uh, count about the California drivers or a band. That was a great line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good, too. <laughs> the, the California drivers are back. Where did they sing this song? Oh, this is in California. This is part of Dick Haynes' radio show. Uh, he either had to be Club 15 or his show they did for Auto Whites. Here's a little more of it. I think it's Martha Tilton, the, the girl singer on this. the street. Don't eat meat. Cut out sweet. You'll get a pain and ruin your tum tum. Keep away from bootleg hoots when you're on a spree. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Dick, have you been reading about all that bad weather back east? I sure have, Martha. There's murder, ain't it? Well, just for pure orneriness, let's sing another chorus California style. <laughs> okay, here we go. Throw away your overcoat when you come to Cal. You won't need it out here. Please believe me, pal. Leave your umbrella in the hall, cause it never rains. Throw your rubbers away and your auto chain. And when you cross the street, look up and down, look back and forth, then run, run, run. 
like mad because the California drivers are bad. Keep up the nightclub fights when you're on a free. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Boy, that is brutal on the ears, kid. <laughs> um, I've got written by, but no year yet. Hmm. It was written by Lou Brown, Ray Henderson, and B.G. De Silva. Buddy De Silva. Do you recognize any yeah, of them? Yeah, I, I do. Um. Ray Henderson, I recognize, and B and and Silva, Buddy De Silva was a was a um, was well known at MGM Studio, and then he was one of the three founders of Capitol Records. So was that before or after Prohibition? I think it was written probably. I think it's probably written in the thirties, late twenties, probably. So we were still under Prohibition. Mm-hmm. Then. We didn't get rid of it until thirty-three. Well, that would make... Otherwise, this line would simply make no sense. Yeah. Let me see if it's in the original. They were a little bit creative. Mm-hmm. Hooch. Keep away from bootleg hooch. hooch when you're on a spree. Please. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Oh, Dick Haynes was a good singer. Good, good singer. He I, I don't understand myself that that line got past me for so long. Keep away from bootleg hooch. hooch. Hmm. You know, Good stuff. and I was questioning. You know, there's a. Did you notice the, f- uh, the slang word they used back in during the song, and that was a popular slang word in the '40s that you never heard it. Uh, you don't hear you today. I put away the lyrics. What is it? Oh, it, it was a it was a throwaway line. He threw it. Uh, that's murder. You know, that's murder. Uh, you're murdering me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know that catchphrase. Is Murder. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! One of Phil Harris's daughters in this. Oh yes. Daughter. They, Murder. They said, oh man, was it the one where um, Elliot was setting up the bookie? He was a bookie. Yeah. Or he was contacting his bookie. He yeah. Was, he had a direct line to his bookie. Bookie. Yeah. He was. And he, he was unemployed, and so Phil felt sorry for. So he was. Living with the Harrises, and he, he and he set up that he could be making bets with his bookie. With yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the kids, and I don't know if it was this particular show, right. but one of the kids had the line "murder." <laughs> she was mimicking Phil. Uh huh. He would have said something like that, and he probably did. Yeah. And there you are. You're right. Very um, period, mm-hmm. a period remark. A period remark. A period remark. Okay, so what do you want? You want the 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 next question? Well, you want me to throw the silver bell trivia thing in here, or you want to do the next question? Oh, by all means, throw the throw the uh, silver bells in there. All right. How it long is, how long will that be? I'll, about I'll, five minutes. Do I have time for a snack? Yeah, yeah it's five oh, minutes. Sure. Yeah. Okay, I have time for a little. You snack. guys, time for a snacky poo? I'll play the song too, okay. so that way you get ten minutes. Excellent. Okay, here we go. This is uh. Frank Percy sitting down with the songwriter Ray Evans of the famous songwriting team Livingston and Evans. I met both. And, well, I interviewed Ray. Anyway, and I met Jay. And they wrote many, many big songs, including Silver Bells. 
And this is the story how Silver Bells was written. Here we go. The song is Silver Bells. Right. And it was written while you were at Paramount, and I know it was written for a Bob Hope movie. That's right, a Bob Hope movie. Bob Hope and, well, Marilyn Maxwell, I guess. Yeah, Bob Hope, you exactly got the the, uh, first soda. We didn't want to write a Christmas song. Now we're, you know, getting too big for our bridges again. Said, who needs another Christmas song? There's White Christmas, there's Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's no room for another Christmas song. And we're just wasting our time. So, it's a, you know, if we have to do it, and we did have to do it, because I'd say uh, Bob Hope was the... Uh, Small-time gambler in New York, and he he was in hock to the mob. Now the mob suggested to Bobo that it would be very nice if he paid up the debt he owed them, or he might find himself floating down the Hudson River without a paddle, and that would be very inconvenient for Bobo. So he gets an idea to hide himself from the mob by disguising himself as a Santa Claus on the streets of New York, ringing a little bell and saying a contribute or whatever, whatever Santa Clauses do for their causes. So that was his idea, how he'd hide from the mob and they could never find him and he wouldn't float down the Hudson River without a paddle. We were given the assignment of writing the song for him to ring the little bell to. Say, we didn't want to write it. They don't need any more Christmas songs. There are enough written already. But as I told you before, when you're an employee of a studio, they own your copyrights. And if you don't want to do it, say, fine, we'll get somebody else to do it. So, no, we wanted to protect our investment. So, And we said, uh, we'll write the song. Bob Hope will sing it to Marilyn Maxwell. You'll hear it in the movie. We will have done our job and that'll be the end of it and you'll never hear it again. There was a little bill on our desk. Uh, we had joint desks. We faced each other in our Paramount office and uh, we saw this little bill and said, ah, that'll be the theme of our song. The little bells that Santa Claus's ring uh, when they're asking for alms or whatever they're asking for. So we'll base uh, the uh, Bob Hope song on that little bell. So we wrote a song called uh, Single Bell, Bob Hope Ringing the Little Bell, and that would be the end of it. You'd hear it in the movie and uh, never again. So as Jay tells the story, when he uh, got home that night after we made all these decisions that you just heard, his wife said to him, uh, uh, what you doing in school today or something like that? And he said, we finished the song for Bob Hope called Single Bell. She looked at him in astonishment and disgust. She said, you wrote a song called Tinkle Bell? Are you out of your mind? No, that's the old wives can talk. If you're both married, you know it. Wives can be very uh, bitter sometimes. Don't you know the word tinkle has a double meaning? It can mean uh, going to the bathroom. And she said, you can't write a Christmas song called Tinkle Bell. And as Jay tells the story, he said, you know, that's a woman's word. I never thought of that. As a man, I always said pee-pee. Only on Unfortunately, as I'm getting older, uh, I'm saying peeping much more frequently than I used to. So, 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 so uh, anyway, he decided that his wife was right, and we couldn't write a song called Tickle Bell. But it's a Christmas song for Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell. So we decided we had to write a completely new song. But we like 
lots of the lyrics to what had been Tinkle Bell, and the lots of the melodies. So we decided we'll take a line of lyric here, a line of melody there, etc., 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 and wound up with the same song we had started with. Only Tinkle was now silver, and Bell was now Bell. So it's a, it was exactly the same song. Only instead of Tinkle Bell, was Silver Bells. And the first year it had three big records on it. One by Bing Crosby, and when Bing Crosby sang a Christmas song, that made it definitive. Because, you know, with the White Christmas, he was a king of Christmas, and Bob Hope did it, and Jimmy Wakeley did it with Margaret Whiting. So we had three records to start with, and then as years went by, it started to sell a little bit more and a little bit more. It got to the point where we're selling three to four million records every year, and it's now, after 50-some years, it has sold over 200 million records, and it's still doing very well to become actually the biggest money producer of all our copyrights, and we've had some big copyright, but the fact that Silver Bells goes on and on year after year after year, and it gets seems to get bigger and bigger every year, done in every kind of venue, done in rock, done in metal, done in standard-type songs, etc. So it's another instance of, of the theme of our show, that you have no things you'll have no control over to things that make your career incredibly successful and exciting and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the story on Silver Bells. And uh, I say, it's uh, by now, it's uh, my far our biggest money maker. You know, I have a recording that you probably have never heard yeah. of Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell doing Silver Bells on the Lux Radio Theater live broadcast in 1951. Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring a ring, hear them Hope and Marilyn Maxwell singing Silver Bells, yeah. uh, written by our in-person guest Ray Evans. Yeah. Now, you've talked a lot about royalties. Right, sure. And you said that pays the biggest royalties, right? That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Probably pays, uh, what, a quarter of a million dollars a year. Well, I have very big royalties, and I can't give you a complete figure, but I know that uh, of the royalties that we get, two-thirds of them come out of Silver Bells. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Probably it's in the 100,000 somewhere in there because it's, uh, the royalties is complete royalty total in the year. And I'm not trying to hide any personal uh, business or anything, but uh, I mean, the figures come from so many sources, from ASCAP, from music sales, from record sales, etc. And uh, I have to have an earnings machine to put them all together. But two-thirds of whatever the total is, Silver bells and gender. So it's uh, me and uh, didn't want to do it. Uh, and Jay didn't want to do the song. No, it's our theme. Things happen, and when they happen, uh, and they happen, despite the decisions you might or might not have made, and you end up the big winner. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's time to write another Christmas song. Uh, I've well, done it. And this is interesting, I think, for your people. Uh, I tried to think of what hasn't been done in the Christmas song, Metier, and I finally saw there's never been a Christmas song, Samba. I, with a wonderful Filipino composer who is a personal friend, wrote a song called the Santa Claus Samba, and I'm going to spend all the rest of this year trying to get it recorded because I think it's a fresh and a wonderful idea for a Christmas song. The idea of Santa Claus doing the Samba is, you know, I think a delicious idea. This little fat man trying to do the, the infectious Samba rhythm and dancing to it. So, if any of your visitors on the show want to do a song uh, called the Crystal Santa Claus Samba, I've got the music for it. I'll send it to them, and uh, I think they can have fun doing a record of so forth. So that's well, where we are. Yeah. Ray, you keep quite active for a person of 83 years old. You're yeah. going back east to yeah. do a uh, nine, personal nine, no, 83, 92. I'm sorry, 92. 92. Yeah, sure. That's right. Yeah, I'm going back east. Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling, ring-a-ling, hear them ring, ting-a-ling, soon it will be Christmas Day. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner you Silver bells, silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling, ring-a-ling, hear them ring, hear them ring, soon it will be Christmas day. of street lights, even stoplights, blink a bright red and green as the shoppers rush home with their treasures. Hear the snow crush, see the kids rush, this is Santa's big day, and above all this bustle you Silver Bell, the corner Santa Claus, Silver Bell, is busy now because it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling, it fills the winter air, hear them ring, you hear it everywhere, soon it will be Christmas Day. City sidewalks. Busy sidewalks, dressed Silver in holiday styles. In the air, it's Christmas there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people 
gentle passing Maybe smile after smile Very soon it will be Christmas Day And Merry Christmas to everybody Hello Patricia And we'll see if she's back if not, I have to call her back. We can always do that. So, why don't I go ahead and do that? Okay, my laughter. Alright, please stand by, everybody. We'll be back. Jaws for Windows is ready. Skype trademark 17 Walden. And we should be back. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walton. Thank you for rescuing me. I got thrown out. Uh, it happens with when you when I call your phone sometime about after three hours or four hours. It seems you want to poop out for a bit, and I have to recall. It's gone. I was sitting here minding my own business, and all of a sudden I wasn't anywhere. Oh, oh, oh. It was no awful. Fun. That's, that's a great story. Do you know, each time I hear Bob Hope sing, yeah. I'm always surprised that Bob Hope could sing. I don't know why. I mean, he was vaudevillian. Of course he had to sing. It's just that he's so, he's indelible in my brain as a comedian, mm -hmm. and it's not a talent I automatically associate with a comedian. But so he started out he, as he had a nice voice. But he started out as a song and dance man. That's where he was before... Anything. He was a dancer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, with vaudeville and yeah. everybody danced and sang in vaudeville. That's true. Yeah. That's where Patricia and I are going next, everybody. Once we leave the radio bit, we're going to vaudeville. We are? Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to have a song and dance act. We are? Yeah. Does the world know this? No, because Bobville's dead and we're going to bring it back. Well, <clears throat> if the world knows it, we're not going to get near the door. <laughs> Ain't no way that we we're are gonna going to We're going to be good. We're going to be good because we're going to do it in person and so it'll sound much better than what we do it here. So, it, it'll, they'll come and grove just to see Patricia sing and dance. It's going to be good. We're going to resurrect the old tomato throw. <laughs> I don't know if you have you ever looked up, Patricia, the stories about the Palm Spring Follies? No. It's still in existence. When you go to Palm Spring, California, you one of the big highlights is to attend the Palm Spring Follies. And this is an actual Follies where the chorus lines are original dancers of the nineteen twenties. So uh -huh. these, these guys are in their 80s and 90s, and they can do the still they can still do the high the high kick, and it just drives people to come to watch these gals in their 80s and 90s put on the the old fashioned folly shows where they like where they sing and dance and they have a headliner and everything. This is such fun! Oh yeah, and they're lined up in one of the photos. And Smaller number, of course, but yeah. they look like the Rockettes up there. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. They call themselves the Fabulous Palm Springs Follies. Mm -hmm. Got to have the uh, Fabulous in front of it there. Yeah. So let's see what we got. Yeah. 
Internet Explorer type stuff is just giving me all sorts of fits tonight. And it's not my computer, and it's not my connection. It really is this pig of a program, and it is a pig of a program. Are you listening? Are you listening, Macintosh? Are you listening, Apple? Palm Springs. Are you listening that my little Firefox Mozilla isn't doing it either? Never <laughs> 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 oh, mind. Um, you, you can forget about it. I'm sorry, Macintosh. I'm really sorry. Let's see if we can do this one more time. Oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. here we go. Okay, it's coming up now. <laughs> this is good. Would you look at this? Click yeah. to see the video. They've got a little video here. Mm -hmm. Folly's Holiday Show. And they're all around Santa with their little, their cute little... You know, boots with fur on yeah. top, yeah. and their shirts with fur. Yeah. This is so cute. Hello there, you on here? Well, good evening. Good evening, Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? All right. I was going to send you some pictures, but I forgot the ending of your email address. The ending of uh -huh. it? Like it's hotmail.com. Yes, Florida writer. I'm a hotmail kid. All right, that'll be great. What pictures are you sending? Ah, you got snow, hey? Yeah, they did not miss us at all. Oh, and you expected it to, to skirt around you. I was hoping. How much? Yeah, <laughs> so much for hope. How much did you get? Oh, I don't know, 18 inches, 20 inches. Wowzers, that's a bundle. Yeah, a lot of it. Lots and lots so, of it. Do you have enough socked into the house that you don't have to go out for a while? I didn't go out today. <laughs> well, you're you're smart. You're smart. I always gave you credit for having brains. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping. That, I don't know. I got I got to fix my back door. I got to go get a part for it. Hoping to I get a whole health aid though. Help out. I'm hoping to send her to the store and we're all get it. <laughs> so what has what has to be repaired? Lock of the back door. The lock. Okay. Lock it from the inside. Uh huh. Are you going to do a fibber and get take the door off the hinges while you're working on it? No. Okay. <laughs> put a blanket up there. Have to put a blanket up for a door. We'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not bad. I mean, as long as there's somebody in the house, but can't, want, can't shut the door when we leave. This is not good. Not good at all. No. No. Do you have... What, what is the crime statistics, what did, I'm not asking this correctly, is it a pretty quiet area that you're in in terms of crime? Uh, yeah, but not as quiet as it was 20 years ago. Well, nothing is, unfortunately. I mean, I've been broken into three times. You have? Yeah. Man, that's not quiet. That's yeah. terrible. Twice. What, what makes you... Uh, it was my son's 
somebody who knew me though, because they came right from my pain pills. Well, they took. Oh, okay. They broke into the house with a purpose. So, oh my goodness! Do you have any idea who it might have been? I have suspicions. <clears throat> I don't have any proof. And I could, you know, I could be way out of this. I mean, this, the town is so small, everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody knows I take pain pills. So, I mean, it could have been anybody. I have a few ideas because they seem to know right where I kept them, so. But it's not like they were hidden either, so, you know. Oh, my. That is so sad. Because anytime, anytime you've talked about the town, it's... It has always sounded to me that it had a, a small town quality to it, it's, and it's hard to explain. It does, but there's I don't know. There's, there seems to be Brooklyn, which is our biggest "quote unquote" city. They can get it cheaper wow. in the city. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and they're, they're coming up here and they're, they're setting up shops, basically. Oh, boy. Uh, Gosh, I hate to hear that. That's a heartbreaking thing to think about. Yeah, it sucks. It really does. And well, that too. The kids are a bunch of, you know, yeah. a bunch of thieves. And it's got, I mean, I know there was one time... Not too long ago here, the guy who stabbed the Walmart parking lot because he was some guy 35 bucks. He didn't see that 20 years ago. No. 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 It's a bit different. You know, I, my dad never locked the doors. I sleep in the doors with a wall locked up. But, it's just, you know, I, I mean, as far as compared to where you're from, it probably is relatively crime free. It sure doesn't sound like it. Uh, <coughs> you know, it's yeah. It's, it's I see, my, my environment is my apartment. I, am, I have a crime-free apartment so far, yeah. and it's likely, it's likely to stay that way because of the location of my apartment in the building. So that's my frame of reference. We, are, we live in a crime-free area. Zero tolerance. I wonder how many p p percentages people have burger systems in their homes now. You know, uh, I, I yeah. you think about it, a hundred years ago, I didn't know one burger system for installing people's houses, but, <coughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the old radio shows, only the re really wealthy people would have had them. Right. And, uh, you know, let's face it, that's a big commercial. See, my sense of 70s is always people having 
BOGO system installed in your houses, and, you know, it, it must be a pretty good hunk if they keep selling them like that. I don't know. Yeah. Did you know Patricia, Patricia trivia question tonight on baseball? Okay, Patricia, you want to give uh, it to him? Before I, before I go to that, on the Discovery channel, <coughs> which I, discovery.com. Bless you, Patricia. Yeah, uh, it, it is the Discovery channel. They said about 30% of private homes have security systems. Huh. Yeah. Well, when you when you think about apartments, well, apartment, now, apartment complexes have central security systems, but because they're not private, I don't think they would be included there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I imagine there's not a lot of them around here either. I I wouldn't have one if I hadn't been broken into. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't look at it as a necessary expense, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I spend this money when I don't need to. Right. But I look at it now as a, as, as a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes just a sticker alone. Some people put up stickers in the system. It's horrible, too. When I, leave the, when I leave the house, I'll lock my bedroom door. Mm-hmm. Lock the house door. Right. Yeah. 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 And it seems to work. Yeah. A lot of people do that. They also use beware of vicious dog signs will work for me. Boy, oh boy, I'm not even going to knock on your door to leave cookies if you've got one of those signs up. Okay. Here is the baseball question, and Walden has the answer. He got this one. Here goes. In 1904, the Giants player manager John McGraw and the American League president Dan Johnson got into a personal argument. PBS calls it a squabble, but either way, the personal conflict caused a major league happening. What was it? Walden did, and he he just popped it off the top of his head. I have to search harder. Tell him what it is, Walden. Well, I'll give you a clue, Fred. You know, 1903, the World Series started. Yeah, Red Sox won it. That's right. This is 1904. Well, they lowered the seven games? No. John McGraw and the league president, Dan Johnson, are having an ongoing battle. There you go. There was no World Series that year. Can you imagine a personal doodad between two people could actually cause a World Series to not be played? Not to be played. Well, I mean, I couldn't see it happening today. But then with the World Series only one year old, I could see it happening. Yeah. 
For years, I always thought Bokman says some this they can't have a world case some worldwide volcano or something, but I remember I know, but not a personal argument. Yeah, but now I when Patricia started making it now she remember and I don't remember the story. You know, she'll do a little more research when she's Okay, well you can the Right, and I think Pittsburgh won it in oh five or something like that, but you know, um, didn't they go to nine, eleven games one year too? With some odd numbers on a couple of early World Series. Yeah. And then they play all nine games, even though they uh, didn't need to. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Okay. You guys keep talking. Okay. I've, got, I've got two stories here. Okay, you do do work. Well, Boston looked like they made a pretty good trade today with Pickburg, so... I like it. You know? I like it. Get rid of that Melanson. He was worthless. So... Um, I, think they need, I think they need another bat. Yeah, I don't like the other guys are going to pick it up, so... Yeah. I'm not real big on Johnny Gomes. Well, Napoli's going to be a lot of power for you. Sign him. Yep. So, something going on on that, and then I would think they would get another starting picture, but, yeah, I would think so too. you know. But, uh, we're talking about trying to offer a couple of, uh, prospects Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they got to two. They got to two. Well, back to back with using some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's happy there. Yeah. That's true. Have you ever seen a game in Have you ever seen a game in Fenway Park? Oh yes. My favorite place in the whole world. You ever go to any of the Cape Cod games in the summer? No, but I'd like to. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go to the Cape Cod games in the summer. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go to the Cape Cod games in the summer. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go to the Cape Cod games in the summ
this is all very confusing. Okay. I have I have two sites. And probably it's confusing because I don't have any clue what these guys are arguing about. But anyway, um, one says, this is in October 1904, John McGraw issued a statement saying that he, not President John Brush, I guess President of the American League was responsible for refusing to play the American League winner in a postseason series. That would be the World Series. Mm -hmm. The Sporting News will declare the Boston Americans champions by default. Okay, so now let me let me see the other over here. Nineteen oh. Four. Okay. Major League Baseball was here to stay. Still, there was no World Series played in 1904, primarily due to one man, John McGraw, manager of the New York Giants. McGraw called the Little Napoleon. That'll, that'll explain a lot, right? Yep, yep, yep. Despised Ben Johnson, the president of the American League, due to his strict enforcement of rules and respect for the rules and umpires. The combustible McGraw was often fined and suspended for problems with uh, with the arbiters. McGraw had man meaning the umpires. McGraw had managed the American League Baltimore Orioles before jumping to the National League, where he found a home with the Giants for the next 33 years. Whoa, 33 years! <clears throat> Blasted Johnson and his American League with verbal shots whenever possible. One reason McGraw hated Johnson is that the American League now had a team in New York called the Highlanders that later became the Yankees. Mm. McGraw believed Ben Johnson spoon-fed the New York franchise with good players and a strong manager, Clark Griffith, making the Highlanders a highly competitive club. The Giants played ball in the polo grounds that was only a half, only a mile from the Highlanders' new hilltop park, and now both teams would compete for the New York fans and their money. Ah, okay, uh, uh -huh. we got a dollar thing going here. Mm -hmm. The Highlanders had outfielder Wee Willie Keeler. Yep. Yep. Okay, and other good players, including Patsy Doherty, yep. who had been traded from the Pilgrims, and spitball pitcher Jack Chesbro, who had jumped from the mm -hmm. who had jumped from the Pittsburgh Pirates the year before. Chesbro was one of only two major league hurlers to ever win forty or more games, finishing the season with a record forty-one and twelve. The Giants had a comfortable lead by July and won the pennant by 13 games. McGraw's rival Highlanders were on top, too, but mostly because of Chesbro's outstanding pitching. But even then, Giants manager McGraw and Giants owner John Brush, who, dis who also disliked Johnson, <laughs> said there would be no postseason series. They called it off. Mm. On September 24th, or uh, excuse me, on September 25th, Brush published a statement saying, quote, nothing requires a victorious club to submit its championship honors to a contest with a victorious club of a minor league. Oh, ho, <laughs> you talk about throwing a barb here. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there was no World Series in 1904 because of John McGraw's hatred of the American League president, Dan Johnson, and the possible embarrassment of being beaten by the minor league New York Highlanders. Yeah. He didn't want to put his... Win on the line. How about that? 
wee little Kiwi. He was known for hit him one ain't. That's right. There's a P.S. to this. The Highlanders, it turned out, did not win the pennant after all because Jack Chesbro, their big humdinger of a pitcher, threw a wild pitch on the last day of the season, allowing the Boston Pilgrims to win the American League flag. <laughs> Isn't that a hoot? This guy raised a whole stink. And Jamie was thinking about didn't even win the pennant. What a hoot. Oh, great story. <laughs> Didn't, didn't baseball ever get into the league of being gentlemen? You know, golf is a gentleman's game, mm-hmm. but did baseball ever enjoy that reputation after 1904? I think it became more of a gentleman's sport by the, um, at the Bay Brook became popular in the 20s. That's when I think it really became sort of a classy thing to, to go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've, always, you've always had hot heads. There, there are always hot heads in, um, in baseball. Mm-hmm. It just, it just isn't. It, it bypassed. Uh, I, I don't think baseball has ever been known as a gentleman's anything. You've always had a Billy Martin there. You've always had a Casey Stengel. You've always got people kicking dust and screaming and yelling and waving their arms. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is that? Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. Boy, oh, poor Babe. He really had his problems. Well, you, wow. know, you know, the great story about Babe, didn't he eat, like, 13 to 19 hot dogs in one game when he was a double hitter? So, every Did time, he? yeah, every time he would hit a ball, he would grab, you know, during the in, in between innings, he would go up to the stand, they would hand him a hot dog. You know, he would make sure he had a standing order with the hot dog vendor. How could he run after 19 hot dogs? <laughs> How could he walk after 19 hot dogs? Well, and and so, oh. so, and, and so you look at it, Patricia, he, he has one of the highest rates of stealing home plate of all basically players. He stole home and plate a lot. To look at him, you put that kind of speed on him, <laughs> ever. He never even, he never looked like he could make it to first base, never mind steal it. <laughs> I mean, true. Really, he he did not have the physique of somebody you would imagine being fast. Well, I think he, he looked. I he think, looked like the kind of person mm-hmm. he would who would have to depend on smacking a home run because if he had to run the bases, they'd get him out. I think part, I am not talking f. I think part part of the the mystique of Beirut was his legs. He looked they were all skinny. I so, never saw his legs. So you should know, if you step, you know, but I think more people would just odd, you know, it's always odd that he was yeah. such a good That's athlete. A big man on bird legs. Hmm. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, he still isn't the one. Oh, yeah. Just everything. Yeah. Just everything. But uh, the stealing bases is not one I would have given him credit for. Yeah, but he stole home play a lot. Wow. She whiz. That's good. 
Mm-hmm. It really is. It is in... Well, Fred, what did... Yeah. That's true. That's true. So what are you in the market for tonight, Fred? A Christmas question or a regular question? A Christmas question. Whoa, okay, you got to hold on. I didn't even get out my Christmas things. Oh, boy, got to put away the follies. Oh, wow, hold on, hold on. What was that? Oh, yeah. I know it. Oh, yeah. I know it. Now, as far as I'm concerned, it's still Christmas until January 6th, which is little Christmas. That is the Feast of the Epiphany, the King's Day. And, oh, gee, where's my Christmas trivia? Yeah, you're the Grinch. There it is. You're the Grinch. I oh, no, the, um, the Grinch on television? No, I didn't look. He's not around now. I have to wait until next year. Maybe I should just get it. All right, let's get here. <laughs> I wonder how you new trivia board games out. You know, remember we had a whole run for a while on Trivial Pursuit and oh my goodness, all those yes, things. They all different categories, yeah. and I know they have S words in there too. Yep. But I don't know of any current new sport, any new current trivia games out yet. Yeah, I have that one. I have a Star Trek one. Do you? I have a Disney one, I think. I remember, and I think... <sighs> I think there's some others. Yeah, they did a bunch of uh, specialty ones. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like the original game. The original game was fun. It was. It was. I think Trivial Pursuit... All right, how, how are you on Super McGee and Molly? Eh, right. How are you on The Great Gildersleeve? Eh, right. <laughs> well, you're going to get both in the same question. Or, or, or. Okay, The Great Gildersleeve and Super McGee and Molly each had a favorite store where they did their Christmas shopping. One shopped at Hogan Brothers, and the other one shopped at the Bon Ton. Who did what? Oh, yeah, this is just a chance. There you go. She's giving you a fighting chance, Fred. Let's see. Hogan Brothers and the Bon Ton? Yep. Bon Ton, right. Uh, uh, Who shopped where? You have an unbroken record of bombing on 50-50 questions. What? <laughs> yes, you do. You have never failed me. Uh, you stop well, 50 yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Fibber and Molly shopped at the Bon Ton. So let's see what else we got here. <laughs> okay, all right. A Christmas carol. It's also referred to often as Dickens' Christmas Carol. Who was Dickens? Oh, I just I watched it like three times. You answered this? No, I watched it. Oh, all right. Well, who was Dickens? Oh, 
Oh, dear. Well, then tell me this isn't true. I'm going to get this. You don't say a word. Okay. Uh, Jim Carrey. So, here's a great. That's a good answer. Um, Dickens. <laughs> say a word. Dickens Christmas Carol. Yeah, Dickens, D-I-C-K-E-N-S. Who, who, <laughs> who with Dickens? Charles Dickens. Right. Who was Charles Dickens? What did he do? He's an author. What do you think, Patricia? I think he's halfway there. Halfway there. I want to know who Charles Dickens was. He's an author. He wrote the Christmas Carol. That's what I was wanting to hear. Oh, good oh. grief. Honest to goodness. Fred, we're just going to have to have... In, we're going to have to have instructions here. Um, it was a bad question. I said the story... The story is often referred to as Dickens' Christmas Carol. Who was Dickens? That's a good question. There's nothing wrong with that question. I give up. Oh my gosh. Well, depending on what version you watch, I guess. Disney had a version? Well, I think Rachel, Rachel Owens in the 30s, and I think, uh, George, uh, George C. Scott. No. George C. Scott. No. George C. Scott. No. George C. Scott. No. You know? Good grief. Let's see who we got here. On the actors, Jim Carrey. First build only. And it doesn't say on here who we put. Oh. Oh my gosh. Scrooge, he played, Jim Carrey played Scrooge. The Ghost of Christmas Past, Scrooge as a young boy, Scrooge as a teenage boy, Scrooge as a young man, Scrooge as a middle-aged man, Ghost of Christmas Present, and Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. Jim Carrey did all of those roles, and I know he did a fabulous job. What year was that? It says 2009. Well, 
I just thought it was really good. But the one I haven't seen in a long time is the one where Patrick Stewart plays Scrooge. Fred, this is old time radio. Was, uh, uh, we got to play uh, Captain Kirk. Yeah. He played Scrooge too. I think that was like 2000 or 1999. Hmm. But yeah, Jim Carrey. Okay, it was Jim Carrey then. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. This is old time radio. I'm whimpering over here. <laughs> really, this is old time radio. Nobody cares. Fred, what would you like? What kind of shows would you like? You have to help me here. Uh, well, um, I wouldn't buy more much, but I don't have the ones in front of me that you've already given me, so I can't do that. Oh, that's okay. You can let me know next week, because we're going to be here Saturday. You can let me know on Saturday the dates. I can do that. Okay, that would be good. Yeah. Um, go to bed. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I can do that. Oh. Yay! Perfect. I'm in great shape. Okay, Fred, you have to go forth and get some sleep so you can get up and make the coffee for us, just in case we're still here. I doubt you'll still be here. I probably true. I doubt. Snow photos. Okay. Did you hear the news from NASA today? The news from where? From NASA. No. No. They put out a prediction that next year. They're predicting that next year they will discover Earth's twin planet. Well, so, you know, this, a planet this, that is about the same size as us, hmm. same distance from the sun as us, mm -hmm. and the same makeup of like uh, water to land, that kind of stuff. Sure. So we'll figure out how to colonize it and bring our garbage up there. You know, it, it just, I hope, I hope we learn to do a better job before we take over new territory. Well, I have Dear. a feeling that anything out there that's moving will probably already take it over. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Time will tell. Okay. Well, your job is to follow that one for us. Yeah, okay, I, I can do that. I don't <laughs> You see how, see how good I am at getting, I'm, I'm getting well, at I'm delegating? And your point is? I don't do nothing for another week. week. <laughs> All right. No point. Um, okay. Well, Fred, go forth. Make the coffee. You're just going to have to wait. Well, I'll wait. I want you to go make coffee for us, please. I'm going to do that in about four hours. Okay. <laughs> well, you have yourself a great night. And... Um, We'll be here on Saturday. Take care, Fred. See you guys Saturday. You bet. Okay, Fred. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, he's one of a million. <laughs>
Could we increase the odds a little bit? <laughs> he is one in a million, million, yeah. trillion. Well, he's something else. Oh, there you are now. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Is this Hello? you, Max? Yes. Good evening. How are you? Well, still morning. My gosh. Yes, good morning. Are you, are you off work? Um, I'm off work for a week or so. I miss this. Who are we talking with? It's Max Mead. <gasps> oh, hi, Max. Half hour or so? Yeah. Did you find the file I sent you? I haven't looked. I haven't looked oh. at my email. So what What did he send? Uh, you were looking for Happy Holidays. I was. Did you have it? I sent you the Christmas and New Year's. Oh, perfect. Uh, I, I've got the whole thing on a CD, but it's in a box somewhere. I'll okay. go look for it. Oh, I, I would love to have all 12, Max, if you can find it. Yeah, I think, I think that one is easy to put my hands on. But I say you're the Christmas and New Year's. Perfect. Pretty much run together. Perfect. About six minutes, so, so there it is. I appreciate that, Max. Okay, that, that, for people who may or may not know, she looked in the um, OTR Digest, um, I put in requests.